fall break, we want to wish all our people who are on fall break uh, a safe trip. Welcome all of you guys that are joining us online. Uh, Glad you guys are here with us. Today we're finishing up our series called The Opposition Within. Three weeks ago we talked about guilt and two weeks ago we talked about anger. Last week we talked about greed and today we're talking about the kingpin, the big one, and this is jealousy. Interesting. Um, When I was a kid, there was a saying, you're just jealous. You know, somebody was was mad at you or didn't like you or or something like that. Ah, you're just jealous. You're just jealous, right? That that was a and we're told that by our by our parents uh, when you're a kid. My, this guy was being so mean to me. He's just jealous or she's just jealous, right? That that's what we tell kids. Well, um, I I found this out. Jealousy or envy is rebellion against God's leading in the lives of his children. It's saying that God has no right to bless someone else more than you. Interesting. Um, uh, that, that, that was Erwin Lutzer. Pastor Erwin Lutzer said that. Uh, Pastor Leslie Flynn said this, The envious man feels others' fortunes are his misfortunes, their profit his loss, their blessing his curse, their health his illness, their promotion his demotion, their success his failure. Interesting. Basically, what Pastor Leslie Flynn was saying was that um, jealousy means taking something personal that is never yours to take personal. And so that is what jealousy is. The main thing today is that jealousy is believing you got a raw deal from God. Got a raw deal from God. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I want you guys to turn to Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 8. This is the first murder in the history of humanity, and it's not caused over a female or it's not caused over territorial rights or a war or anything like that. It's between two brothers named Cain and Abel. Uh, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits from the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Jealousy was the cause of the first murder of humanity. All right, look, look what God says to Cain, to people dealing with jealousy. He says this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Now, if anybody has ever dealt with a jealous person, a jealous family member, uh, I've, uh, during this the researching for this, I found some really incredible stuff. Apparently, and I did not know this until this week, apparently that one of the biggest psychological areas of research is parental jealousy of their children like the parents are jealous that their kids are doing better than they have happier marriages or they they have more money or they're more successful than the parents and it's causing all of this these issues people are flocking to therapists to deal with parental jealousy and, and to that person basically it, it, uh, what God says is that sin is crouching at your door it desires to have you but you must rule over it. And what this story shows is that Cain and Abel didn't have a problem with each other. 
They had a problem with God. Okay, we need to get this. That jealousy has everything to do with your relationship with God, not with people. We, we tend to take it out on people, but it has nothing to do with other people. It has to do with your relationship with God. Okay, that, that's what this story shows. That, that God looked with favor on Abel's and not on, on with Cain's. Probably Abel brought his best. Cain didn't bring his best. And so Cain was angry at God. He took it out on his brother. I'm going to think about, see, jealousy says, God owes me. God owes me. Okay, three weeks ago we talked about how guilt said that I owe you, I've done something to you, and I owe you now, I'm in your debt. Uh, anger says, you owe me, you've done something to me, and, and, and now you owe me. Greed says, I owe me. My wants, my needs, my desires first and foremost. But jealousy says, God owes me. See, guys, the bottom line is if God would have taken care of us the way he takes care of everybody else, we wouldn't have a problem. That's what the jealous person thinks. Okay, see, as a Christian, my driving desire uh, is to be like Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm working on that, as, as most of you guys are too. But Jesus isn't the first person I try to be like. Throughout my life, I try to be like other people. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a great basketball player. I don't, I don't know if y'all know that or not, but I wanted to be a great basketball player. And there was a problem. Uh, I was short, and so I tried to grow. I tried to grow really fast. I thought really hard. I tried to grow, and I, I kept trying to get rim, and I couldn't even get net, and, and I couldn't jump, and I wasn't tall, and I remember I just I stood out there, and I, and I just shouted, why can't I be tall? And I felt an arm around my shoulder. I don't know, dear, said my five-foot-two mother, but I love you anyway. You know, and so once my dreams of being a basketball player went out the door, um, in middle school, I decided I wanted to be a rock star. See, you all that are my age understand this. I got a Walkman. How many of you all had Walkmans? Okay, they're like, what's a Walkman? Uh, a Walkman is something you put a cassette tape, a cassette tape, Yes, Gen Xers, yes, cassette tape, yes. You put that in there, and we had graphic equalizers, much cooler. than They're like, what's a graphic, exactly, that's why your music doesn't sound any good. Our music sounded great because we had graphic equalizers, and I had Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. That was, that was one of the first cassettes I ever got. And I decided I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to sing like Axl Rose. I was going to sing high and, 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 and everything and be a big rock star. Well, I tried and I tried and I tried, and I couldn't hit the high notes, and I couldn't hit the low notes. I couldn't even hit the normal notes, all right? And I'm like, why can't I be a good singer? Built an armor on my shoulder. I don't know, son, said my tone-deaf father. Now go mow the grass, make yourself useful. You know, so guys, I really wanted to be like other people. And I was jealous. Why in the world did God not take care of me the way he took care of them? Why, why did God make Michael Jordan so tall and so athletic and didn't make me? He could have, right? He could have. He could have easily made me as athletic as Michael Jordan is tall. He could have easily made me a singer like the rock stars of the 80s. Easily could have done it, but he didn't. And because he didn't, we have a problem. See, guys, that's what jealousy is. See, if God had simply taken care of me the way he took care of them, we wouldn't have had a problem, right? And that shows the true picture of jealousy, you guys. I wasn't mad at Michael Jordan. I wasn't mad at Axl Rose. Not at God. See, jealousy exposes the relational break between you and your creator. That's point number two. It exposes the relational break 
You're not satisfied with what God has given you. He's not, you're not satisfied with how he has made you, and therefore you have jealousy problems. It, it, it has everything to do with God. If you guys turn to Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 15, Jesus tells a parable about this. This is so incredibly relevant for us right now. Check this out. For the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard, he agreed to pay them a denarius, which is like a day's wage, okay, for the day and sent them to his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever's right. So they went. He went out again at noon, and about three in the afternoon, did the same thing. About five in the afternoon. Now, what time did they start? They started at seven in the morning, right? So five in the afternoon, he's, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing around here doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. When, they, those, who came, uh, when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired first worked only one hour, or at last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who's hired the last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Houston, we have a problem. Mm. See, the workers in the vineyard were perfectly happy, weren't they? Until they found out what everyone else was making. Remember, they agreed to work for Daenerys. That was a day's wage. And they were perfectly fine until they found out what someone else was making. And they weren't mad at the people who got hired last. Were they? They, were ma- they were mad at the landowner, who is God, in this. And, and I get that. I really do. I do. When I was in college, I worked in a lumber yard every summer. Great job. Three, uh, f- uh, 7 to 3.30, uh, Monday through Friday, first shift. I clocked in, clocked out, never took any work home with me. Wow. It was a great job. Minimum wage back then was $4.25 an hour, and I was making 6 bucks an hour. So I was making more than minimum wage, which is a really, really good thing. I was making more than my friends who were working retail or working fast food or those type things during the summer. Man, I, I, it was great, and, and I loved my job. I loved the people I work with. I loved, the, I loved the work. It was great. The second summer that I worked there, my junior year, I got promoted. I got promoted from, well, grunt, I guess, to the position of yard dog. That was a head forklift operator. It was my job to pull the lumber and put it, load it up on flatbeds. I loaded up uh, box panels of pre- prefab houses, trusses, all these kind of things. I, I, I was a forklift operator, and I loved it. It was great, okay? And, and I was good at forklift operator. I was so good, as a matter of fact, that the, uh, the, the, a person, when a person would come in, I was to train them how to, how to drive the forklifts. In the factory, I, was the, I became the forklift trainer. And then they hired a guy named Dennis. Dennis was, shall we say, well, God loves him very much. But we didn't. He was lazy. He was sloppy. He messed just about everything up. He was a loud mouth. He complained all the time. If his mouth was open, he was complaining. 
And it was my job to train Dennis as forklift operator. One day, he was on one of his daily rants about how awful life was, and then he said, I can't believe I'm doing all this for eight bucks an hour. You know, when the old record players were the, you know, and all of a sudden, this really, you could have heard, a, you know, everybody turned and looked right at him because we were not even making that much. And here I was, making six bucks an hour, training a guy who does nothing but complain, shows up maybe half the time, and he's making eight bucks an hour. Well, let's just say that my attitude changed big time. Now, remember, I was perfectly happy with my weights. I was even doing better than most of my friends, right? And all of a sudden, I was mad. I went to see the boss because I was mad. And the boss explained to me this. This is actually what he said. He said, you have to understand, you're leaving to go back to college in a month. Dennis is more valuable to the company to us because he's going to stay. That's why he's making more than you. Well, that really made me happy. It didn't fly with me. So I finished my month there with a terrible attitude, you guys. Terrible attitude. Uh, training a guy who was making $2 an hour more than me. The bad part, though, was me. Um, I, that entire month, I could think nothing good about Dennis. Nothing good about him at all. I, I, I seized every opportunity to highlight his faults. Every time he messed up, I made sure everybody knew about it. Uh, every, every time I saw him, I got mad. And the problem was, after about two weeks of being on the job, he actually started to do good work. He actually started doing well. And I couldn't see it because I was so bitter towards him. See, the workers in the vineyard in Jesus' parable, were perfectly happy until they found out what someone else was making. And guys, I, I was perfectly content to work for six bucks an hour until I found out uh, what someone else was making. If you don't think you struggle with jealousy, here's a suggestion. This is what I suggest. Tomorrow morning as you, when you get to work, have the boss post the salaries and hourly wage of everybody, what everybody makes in the break room. Okay, do that. You want to see your office or your place of work descend into some place that looked like the presidential debate this past Tuesday? That's exactly what will happen. It will be World War III when everybody else finds out what everyone makes. People that were perfectly happy with what they were making before then all of a sudden finding out with someone else. And they won't be mad at the co-workers. They'll be mad at the boss. See, guys, jealousy shows a relational break with our creator. They get the workers in the mirror who grumble about the boss. See, if you're a jealous person, you guys, here's the thing. If you're a jealous person, it's the canary in the coal mine saying there's something wrong between you and God. Okay? It, more than anything else, is the canary in the coal mine saying there's something wrong between you and God. Deep down, you believe God was unfair to you. Now, this is, some, this is the problem. We all acknowledge it's a problem. Um, you know that that wouldn't fly at your place of business. The first murder in history of humanity was caused by jealousy. We have a problem, but the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't leave us there. There's a cure for jealousy, and this is a cure for jealousy right here. It's called celebration. Celebration. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? What, this is God's will for you to rejoice 
always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. See, one thing I've found about being a Christian since I was 17 years old, this is, this is, the, this is something I found about the Christian faith. The Christian faith is a transformative faith. We change. God changes us. He takes the broken parts and he, re, and he redeems them. He changes us. Guys, we are broken beyond imagine. The gospel takes us as broken human beings and he mends us up and fixes what is broken and sets us free. Man, these people that come to Christ and they don't change, like, I mean, they're, they're these bitter, angry, uh, lost people. They come to Christ and 10 years later, they're still bitter, angry, and lost. Like, my goodness, what in the world are you doing? You obviously didn't encounter Jesus because Jesus transforms you, okay? That is, that is the best thing about the Christian faith. And guys, so the, 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 the Christian faith has transformed us so naturally. God takes our jealousy, our feelings that he's been unfair to us, that life has been unfair to us, and he transforms it into something incredibly beautiful. Now, if you don't think that's a miracle, this may be the biggest miracle that you will ever experience in your lives, turning jealousy to celebration. Because what celebration is, is that when someone has something good happen to them, when somebody gets a promotion and you don't, somebody else's kid makes a team and yours doesn't, you throw a party. Genuinely. Guys, God transforms our jealousy into celebration. Let's go back through the Bible and the stories that we just saw. It was Cain and Abel. You know what God, what God would have done, or God should have done with, with, with Cain if Cain had a celebration heart instead of a jealous heart? Cain would have looked at Abel, you know, and, and Abel's you know, sacrifice is, is, is accepted and his isn't. And Cain walks up to Abel and said, man, God accepted your offering. Look with favor. That's incredible. You're going to have to show me how to do that, man. I'm going to throw you a party. It's incredible. I can't believe that the God of the universe looked on favor with something that you, a mortal, could offer. My goodness, that is amazing, brother. And been happy for him. God takes those workers in the vineyard who are grumbling about the people working one hour getting paid the same as them who worked 10 hours. And he changes their hearts so that the ones hired first at payday, when they get their denarius, they go up to the ones that hired last. And they say, man, isn't this boss awesome? Oh, my goodness, look at the deal that he gave you. Isn't this boss awesome? He's the most generous boss I've ever seen in my life. You were all stressed out. You know, you were completely stressed out. You were sitting there wondering how you're going to feed your family. You're going to, so you're sitting there wondering what it's going to be like going back home to your wife and kids with no work for the day, no money for dinner, nothing. And he hired you at the last hour and he gave you a full day's wage. I hope that you go home and you celebrate that. This is incredible. Look at the, how awesome our boss is. Guys, that's what Jesus does in you and through you when he transforms your jealous heart to one of celebration. It's amazing. Having a spirit of celebration in your heart, the biggest miracles God will ever perform in your life. Someone gets a new car in your street, makes yours look bad, celebrate it. Man, go up to him, throw a party, say, this is incredible. Can I have my picture made with it? <sighs> you know? Someone else's kid makes a team and yours doesn't. Take your kid out for Dairy Queen and have a party in their honor. Celebrate it. Someone gets a full ride to a university 
and you have to take out student loans that you're going to be paying on for 10, 15 years. Celebrate their good fortune. You know why? Because it's not about you. Them getting a scholarship had nothing to do with you. Their gain is not your loss. So stop thinking that it is. Someone else pays off all their debts and they're debt-free and they're doing the debt-free Dave Ramsey scream and you still have debts up to the wazoo. Man, scream with them. Celebrate it. Them being out of debt has nothing to do with you. This is not a shot on you. This is not your loss. Be happy for them. That's what, that's what Jesus says. Pray continually. Give thanks continuously. Have a spirit of celebration within you. That's what, that's what he said. Do you understand how freeing the spirit of celebration is? Do you understand how it sets you free from comparing yourself to other people and comparing yourself to what they have and comparing yourself to how God has blessed you and just being happy for people every day? Week in, week out. Changing your jealous heart. Changing this God owes me stuff to this celebration of what God has done in the lives of other people. It's not about you. It's not about me. So let's stop making it about ourselves. Because something good happened to someone else doesn't mean something bad happened to you. And someone came up to me one day and said, I, I will never forget this. Give it to me, and we were, we were discussing just some, some things and, and, and got around to the topic of the economy and said this, can you believe that there are billionaires out there that have gotten richer this year? And I said, great, good for them. What does that have to do with me? And the person said, well, it's not fair. And I said, life isn't fair. I'm still waiting to find out what some billionaire having money has to do with me. And the person said this, they stole it from the poor. How do you get to be a billionaire stealing things from poor people? Do, 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 do poor people have billions of dollars? Maybe I need to be poor, you know? Maybe I need to start being poor, that way I can have billions of dollars. But according to this person, and, 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 I, and I, said, I said, that's how they got billions? Do you hear yourself? And this person was kind of, and I said, I, I said, man, they didn't steal anything from anyone. I said, look, man, let's just be honest. You're jealous. You ha they have something that you don't, and you don't think it's fair. Well, life isn't fair. Them having billions has nothing to do with you. Man, be happy for them. I hope that they use it in a way that honors God and be done with it. You see, this is why, why the, the Ten Commandments says thou shalt not covet because it gets you focused and obsessed on what God has done for other people and you take your eyes off of what God has done for you, how God has blessed you and you start being resentful and envious to the point where you cannot even enjoy that which God has blessed you with. Kind of like with me and Dennis in the lumberyard. I couldn't even be happy with the fact that I was making six bucks an hour, more than minimum wage, because I was so upset that he was making more. I couldn't be happy with how God had blessed me with this amazing job that I loved. That's what jealousy does. Turn it around. And I told him, don't use the word fair to cloak your envy and covetousness anymore. And then we come to part where we own 
celebration, owning celebration. This amazing quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters. The Screwtape Letters was written from the devil's perspective, and he was talking about this. This has stuck with me all these years, you all. It's amazing. Screwtape is writing, the enemy wants to bring the man to the state of mind in which he could design the best cathedral in the world and know it to be the best and rejoice in the fact without being any more or less otherwise glad at having done it than he would be if it had been done by another. The enemy wants him, in the end, to be so free from any bias in his own favor that he can enjoy, and he can rejoice in his own talents as frankly and as gratefully as in his neighbor's talents, or in a sunrise, an elephant, or a waterfall. Wow. You know how freeing that is? Guys, I, I played soccer my whole life, high school, college, semi-pro. There are always guys better than me, always. There's always someone who's more talented, always somebody better, always was. I'm free to rejoice in their talent and just enjoy how good they are. Enjoy it. They're better than me. Awesome. God made you faster. God made you better. Awesome. You are so good, and I love watching you play. And guys, be done with it. And then somebody, I, I was getting this together, and then I, I was talking with a friend of mine, and I heard this kind of when it got home to me. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but pastors are jealous people. We are. And we don't like it when other churches do better than ours. And I was talking with a pastor, and we were talking about the shutdown and COVID, and, and he goes, man, our, our, these people just haven't come back to church yet. It's really tough to connect with people and everything like that. I mean, we're only having like 200 people on Sunday morning. <laughs> really? Well, praise God. <laughs> you know, it was kind of my... Thing. And I, I began getting these old feelings of jealousy. Saying, well, God, why aren't you blessing us that way? You know, and, and I, I started, and, and God was like, what are you preaching on this week? I'm like, oh, dang it. See, guys, there's such thing as professional jealousy, too, and pastors aren't, aren't immune to it. And see, I need to turn that, that, that jealousy into celebration by looking at one of the churches in this community that God is blessing and there are people here in the gospel every Sunday morning. Amen? That is, what, that is what it is. And the kingdom is being built over there. And guys, I have nothing but rejoicing. And, and I, I was in a conversation with someone about, about two or three weeks ago talking about um, the next step, uh, what, what Catalyst is doing. He said, well, we're planning a church in, uh, in Lexington. It's really exciting what we're doing. And, uh, and the person actually asked, he said, so you're going to plan in, in Lexington, so uh, what happens when your new church plant is bigger than Catalyst? What, what happens? I think he was kind of goading me a little bit. And I said, you know, um, let me tell you about that. I said, I'm a father, and I want my children to do better than me. I, I want my children to have even happier marriages than, than I do. I, I, I want my children to be more successful professionally than me. I, I want them to be people of character, with better character than me. I want them to love God more than me. I want my children. Isn't that what emotionally healthy parents do? Isn't that what they do? Don't you want what's better for your kids? Don't you want your children to do better than you? I mean, that, that is what an emotionally and spiritually healthy parent does. And, and so I found myself saying, I hope that our new church, Elevate, does better than Catalyst. 
And I hope, you guys, you, Rob is an incredibly capable leader. Rob probably is a better leader in, uh, in some aspects than I am. Rob is probably better at getting things done through other people, building teams and, and, and getting ministry done, multiplying ministry. He's probably better at that than I am. And, pro, and, and when he becomes a senior minister, he's probably going to have a bigger base of leadership and probably be able to reach more people than, than, than I am. And, and guys, that's incredible, and I want that. I would love for Elevate next year and the year after that and year to do better than Catalyst. I would love it. You know why? Because that's what emotionally and spiritually healthy people do. Elevate's gain is not Catalyst loss. It's not. It's, if, if they win, we all win. Okay, and so we need to be in a spirit of celebration about what our, our children, what our new church plants, what our ministries are doing. Guys, that's how the spirit of celebration invades a church and invades your life. Guys, that's, that's one of the things professionally that, that, that I have decided to do, and I want you to do that professionally as well. Someone else sells more than you. Awesome, great, be happy for them. It's not your loss. Guys, that's what we want. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. Guys, as we move our jealousy into celebration, we become free. Free from the obsession of what others have with the successes or the failures of others. We don't gloat when they fall because it's nothing to do with us. We celebrate that which God has done in the lives of other people. You know, you understand how freeing that is, how amazing that is. Now, some of us, some of us need to deal with jealousy right now. There are people in your life that you're jealous of. I was talking with a, uh, with a couple. He, they're, they're, he, both he and the wife are divorced, and they've both gotten remarried. And the, um, the mom is extremely jealous of the new wife in, in the dad's life. And she spends a lot of time trashing the new wife to the kids. It's not because the new wife is a, is a terrible person. It's because of jealousy, because she feels that the kids like her more. I was talking with them this week, and I, and I, I said, you understand what's going on here? You understand what's going on, but the mom is going to destroy the family because she can't get jealousy out of her heart, and you may be on the verge of destroying yourself or your place of business or your family or your own life because of jealousy. I'm going to ask you to take that jealousy straight to the throne of Jesus and ask him to kill it and transform it into celebration so that you can have a spirit of celebration follow you the rest of your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray.